Everybody's a dreamer. Everybody's a star. Everybody's in showbiz. It doesn't matter who you are. There are stars in every city, in every house, and on every street. And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, their names are written in concrete. It's that time of year again. While we will not be strolling the streets of Hollywood Boulevard or Annapolis, we can get our pod together and enjoy 10 days of the 9th Annual Annapolis Film Festival. It is virtual this year, and we will be talking to the movers and shakers and those that make it all happen. The Annapolis Film Festival, April 8th through 18th. Tickets and more at annapolisfilmfestival.org. All the stars as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard. Some that you On the phone with us right now is Kaz Noskowski, and I am very happy that he told me that I can call him Kaz because his full name is actually Casimir. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. And Kaz is the producer, the director, the screenwriter. Um, and he probably plays everybody in the cast of a movie that's going to be premiering at the Annapolis Film Festival on April 14th called The Outside Story. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there, enjoying uh, enjoying the film, uh, getting out into the world and very excited that it's uh, playing Annapolis. Well, we are all, you know, sort of dealing and hanging out. And uh, unfortunately, everything is online and virtual this year. But it's uh, it's kind of good and it's kind of bad in different ways. I miss the uh, camaraderie of getting around and walking and running as an all-out sprint from one screening to the next. Um, so, you know, I'll just have to make it out to the, like the refrigerator for a new beer and, and, there you go. Uh, and catch it out. That um, can be an adventure in and of itself. It, it, it absolutely can, especially if I run out. Then, yeah. then, then it would be a problem. Then it turn into a tragedy, <laughs> right? Uh, but let's. We want to talk about the outside story, and I have seen the trailer, and this looks his, absolutely hysterical. And the the little snippet that the Annapolis Film Festival has on is as an introverted editor living a vertical life in his second floor apartment, always on deadline and in a rut. When Charles locks himself out of his building, he's forced to go horizontal and confront the world he's been avoiding in search of a way back inside. And when I read that, I was like, okay, well, what's this vertical life and horizontal thing? And, it, you know, what, you know, what is this all about? And once yeah. you click play trailer, um, you're, la- you're laughing from, you know, it's a two minute trailer and you're laughing from probably about 10 seconds in. Oh, thank you. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that was your intention. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I like funny movies and I certainly set out to make a funny movie. Uh, I like funny movies with heart. Uh, you know, not to, I don't want I'm not saying cheesy. I don't want to be overly sentimental, but I like a funny movie that earns its heart. And I think, you know, this is my first feature. Um, and I wanted to, you know, make something that was life affirming that was about, you know, neighborhoods, communities. Uh, and you know, I think with the, with this film, it's funny hearing that vertical horizontal description, uh, we've had a few descriptions of the film and, you know, with that, my intention you know, in terms of describing the film was really about uh, the main character of the film, Charles, played by Brian Tyree Henry, is I wanted to make I wanted to have him go on an odyssey on a journey. But I wanted it to be the smallest radius journey of all time 
basically I wanted him to explore his building and explore his block and find there was this whole rich world that he had been taking for granted. And I thought the best way to do that was just to have him lock himself out of his apartment, something that I, I like to think everyone can relate to. I, I, I hope and pray as someone who has locked himself out many times that most people in the world have locked themselves out of some space that they wish they could be in. Um, and, and maybe even found kind of a positive side to it, to the disruption, uh, to the routine. And so, um, that was kind of my, you know, my starting point and my, my intention with the film. Well, it's funny. We can all, we can all relate to being locked out. I remember one of the funnier times I locked myself or locked my keys in my car and I couldn't get back into it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, so I took the smallest little triangle window out of it broke it out mm-hmm. to get into it. And I wanted to get it fixed. They're like, Oh, why'd you take that one out? The, that's the most expensive piece of glass in the car. You should have taken out the windshield. And I'm right. Like, you know, go, go figure. But everybody can relate to being locked out. I mean, and it's that, that moment in time when you hear the latch click and then you just, you know, you, you know, it's first you say it, then you do it. It's like, Oh, shit. yeah. And, and now how, now how are you going to do this? Now this was filmed in New York, right? This is filmed in New York in Brooklyn. That's correct. Was that filmed? Now you are up in New York as well. Is that filmed in your neighborhood? It was filmed most. My intention, I, when I wrote it, I thought I'd I'd actually film it in my building, in my apartment. Like I was, I was basically trying to make something that had a kind of practical element to it that was so makeable. I'd been before I made this film, I'd been writing screenplays for kind of trying to write screenplays for larger sci-fi, big kind of big budget films. And at a certain point, you know, I really was kind of desperate to direct my own film. And I thought the best way to do that was to make something that had a small budget that I could kind of, if no one wanted to help me, I could conceive of making. So honestly, I was picturing the world right around me. And so, and I live in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. I've grown up in New York. I've lived in New York all my life. Um, And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to dive into basically everything that I know that's right around me. So we filmed actually in the neighborhood. Most of it is filmed in the neighborhood right over because of location concerns. We filmed in Park Slope, but it is very much the same uh, world and uh, a great place to film and fun to kind of run wild in and and try to capture. Well, walk me through a little bit about the genesis of this. Where did this where did the the idea come from? I mean, obviously, you've, you've. This is a story that's easily told and explore your immediate area. Mm-hmm. But where did the genesis of, you know, OK, um, this this introverted editor <laughs> locking himself out? Right. Um, well, you know, I think perhaps like a lot of writers, I'm always I'm always collecting ideas of, you know, pieces, fragments of a movie. And ultimately, movies work when you can make enough of those fragments really fit together. And so in this case. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of the main origins besides locking myself out, uh, many times was that, um, I was an in memoriam, uh, I was an editor and a producer of commercials for the cable channel AMC. I still work for them sometimes. And back in the day when they used to kind of do a little bit more older movies and then when they were doing regular movies, um, we, I would sometimes get tasked with making in memoriams, uh, basically videos celebrating, you know, an actor or a director um, for when they pass away. But, you know, before I was working on these, I used to think, wow, that's so crazy. How do they make how do these come out so fast? Person A dies and then the, the, the videos on screen, you know, 10 minutes later. And I'm like, wow, they just threw that together. But no, in fact, someone is sitting there making 
in advance of someone's death, someone is every six months updating, let's say, the Clint Eastwood in memoriam, adding a film, adding a, uh, you know, something he directed, something he acted in. Don't be killing Clint Eastwood off for me, please, man. Well, that was just one that that was one that I worked on. So I feel like it's just my it's my go to. Um, But I I think and, and honestly, I worked on it and he stayed alive. So I think maybe I had the reverse jinx uh version of it yeah you must have sucked um, at this you know that's the, right. that's you, you keep him alive hey did you work on betty white too <laughs> I, i'm afraid so <laughs> um no i you know i think the thing is that's funny is that when i worked on it i just thought wow this is the most macabre job uh out there and what a great like like piece of work for someone who was kind of a depressed character someone who couldn't fix their own life who could obsess over other people's lives and I just, again, you know, you're looking for these foundational elements. And so when I was making this film, I thought, well, wouldn't it be neat if there was this character who was working on the in memoriams of these actors, these people who were not yet dead, as he kind of tried to sort out the mess of his life, a breakup, um, a kind of inability to move forward with his own career, uh, and and a kind of unawareness of the, of the people, the neighborhood, the world around him. And it just it just felt like the kind of like a great I don't know, like a great metaphor, basically. I'm kind of like locking yourself out, like felt like a great metaphor. So all those things. It does. And it's funny when I was looking at the trailer and as you talked about, you know, discovering everything around him and and knowing, you know, the neighbors and stuff like that. The one scene where he walks in, I guess, and apparently without just seeing the trailer, he walks in on, on some neighbors that are apparently swingers. Yes. And uh, I'm like, this, this is perfect. This is just the schlep rock living in his apartment, working on, (laughs) you know, working on these uh, morbid obituaries. And uh, it's, it's a whole different world. And, you know, to be. I'm kind of naturally curious about the apartments, the people that live right around me. I mean, in New York City, you're packed in pretty tight and it's hard not to kind of like look in the window when you're walking by. Someone opens a door and walks out. I look at all these people and I'm constantly just dying to ask them. I mean, this is the documentary side of me. I'm dying to ask them, what's what's your life about? What what are you scared of? What have you done wrong? What do you regret? You know, I mean, it's just all those. And that's a hard conversation to have with a stranger. But I think this movie was kind of an attempt to imagine those kind of conversations uh, coming to life. You know, you're you're going upstairs to go down the fire escape, get back into your apartment and you run into this these kind of benevolent swingers, you know, and you being a worldly person. It's not that you're judging them. It's not that you're it's just they're living a totally different life than you are. That's great. you know, that was, that was the goal. And then to have some scary ones too, have some funny ones, you know, it's, it's meant to kind of the film, I think will give you whiplash in a good way as he kind of journeys into these different people's lives, get the little piece of everyone's life. I look at my block, which is a very normal average, I mean, your average block in New York and I, but there's probably, you know, 500 people that live on it. I'm sure that you could have, you have the whole spectrum of human existence on this block. I'm positive that there is every aspect of you know, just everything here. And and I, I feel like that kind of exploration, that kind of natural odyssey could be formed by anyone who just has to be outside and, and is becomes curious, needs to depend on the neighbors around him. So that was the goal anyway. Well, you said that you have been flitting about film fests across the country, I guess virtually for the most part. Um, how has the outside story been received so far? 
Um, I mean, I'm biased, but I think the reaction has been really terrific. I think considering what a year it's been, what a ridiculously insane, uh, oftentimes depressing, demoralizing year, uh, it's been really great. I mean, I think people have welcomed a movie that is pretty upbeat, that sort of echoes how we feel about, you know, COVID perhaps. I mean, again, just my take on it. But just the fact that, I mean, we filmed this way before COVID was even, you know, out there at all. You know, ultimately, it's about a guy who's coming to appreciate outside. And I have to say, I certainly appreciate outside more than I ever have in my entire life uh, because, you know, we're so stuck inside, uh, so to speak. So I think people have kind of that's resonated with people. Um, you know, I will say for my first feature, I love going to film festivals. I love that in-person feeling. I love being in theaters. I love big screen screenings of my movies. Um, I love meeting all the people at festivals. It pains me to not get to have that in-person, uh, you know, experience with this film to not actually kind of really connect with the, with the audience in person. Um, at the, on the other hand, that's the, that's the glass half empty glass half full is that in a pandemic, the fact that this film could get out there, that people could see it, that people could respond to it, that it could be, a, you know, could travel around the country and go international is, is, is very satisfying and amazing. So hold on one second. My son just came in here and speaking of being stuck inside. Let's talk to him. Let, let, Rocket, let's, do you wanna do you wanna say anything to, to the people here? Do you wanna no? This, he's 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 too shy right now. Uh, hold on, he needed some I think oh you were pressing buttons. No, I, you were pressing buttons, you lost your Sean the Sheep. Crisis in New York. Exactly. There's another <laughs> metaphor here. I'm not sure what it is, but it's all somehow it's all connected. You take care of your son. <laughs> all right, kiddo. Is this one good? That one right there again? No. You want later? Here you go. Okay. No. Dude. Here, stay good. Stay true. This will be good. Uh-uh. Rocket, stay there. All right. I'll be back in a few. I promise. Sorry. I think we're good. <laughs> so sorry about Bri- that. Bribe him with ice cream. That always worked for me. I know. Well, that, right. That's that's the move that you want to give him like a sugar high. Right. Right. When you need <laughs> to be still. Absolutely. Well, how long did it take? I mean, from when you first thought of this, I mean, you say you've got these films, all these films rolling around in your head before they really gel. But I mean, how long you said this was filmed prior to COVID. So obviously that was in, you know, 1918 or not 1918, <laughs> but 19 or 18. Um, right. It was 1918. It was long ago. It was before the Spanish flu. Yeah. Yeah. Just before. Um, No, it was, we filmed at the end of 2018 and, you know, it's an indie film, so the budget is tight. And so everything we did post in 19 and it was supposed to come out. uh, We got into the Tribeca Film Festival. That was where we technically premiered. But that was one of the, that was basically happening April 2020. So basically at the exact moment that COVID was sweeping America and the world, uh, the festival got canceled. And so we were kind of in limbo for, for a few months. So that was kind of the the order of events in terms of getting it it done. And uh, yeah, in terms of production, it was it was possibly the quickest feature uh, shoot I've ever heard of. It was 16 days, which is like sort of absurd for a movie with an ensemble this big. Um, mm. But but a testament to the kind of great actors, Brian Tyree Henry, Sonequa Martin-Green, Sunita Tamani, Olivia Edward, just really game ready to rock actors and a great team in general that just made it come together so quickly and beautifully. 
Well, I got to think one of the most challenging thing is that you said it took 16 days to film. Is that what you said, 16? That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and, and I don't know what the duration of the story is in the movie. It's probably a couple days, maybe. Uh, no, it's one day. It's, it's, one it's, day. it's just a one day deal. It's a, it's a one day. Yeah. Real time, real time ish, you know, if you will. But you you have to whittle it down to 85 minutes. And I mean, is that super, super challenging as a you know director? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I'm someone who actually, it's funny, I, when I was getting ready to do this, I thought, okay, just get me to post, just get me into post and I'll figure it out. I think, I like to think every filmmaker has like their, the thing that they kind of lean on as their like filmmaking superpower. Some are cinematographer leaning, some are sound leaning, music leaning. And I'm, I like to think of myself as editing leaning, but, um, Truthfully, post was really hard because it is really production was actually super easy. Consider, I mean, all things being equal, I mean, so much prep and because we had such a great bunch of people. But the post was so hard because to kind of to a to whittle it down, yes, to 85 minutes to make it kind of a a movie that doesn't get bogged down, like that keeps that urgency. You know, a lot of people watch this film and go, why didn't he just call locksmith? And great question. And I will only say that as someone who has locked himself out and, you know, that a lot of times you get caught up, you just get caught up. And so to have that feeling of getting caught up, maintained and, of, of you know, doing that, I think that was kind of the challenge of post. How do you keep the urgency while still keeping the meaning, while not just flying past kind of the moments of, you know, the meditative moments, the observational moments? Um, finding that balance was very hard. Um but but hopefully, you know, yielded good results. What's funny? Well, Cash, do you have any uh, Alfred Hitchcock cameos in this movie yourself? <laughs> you know, I, I people were urging me, come on, just do a walk by, pop in, be this, be that. I don't know. I felt like these I was the actors in this film are too good. I didn't want to sully the screen with my distracting, <laughs> amateurish. No, I mean, honestly. It did have to do that. I just, I love working with actors. It is my favorite thing. And watching these actors kind of do their work, I honestly just, I didn't want to get cute. I didn't want to pop in, pop out. I wanted to just like, I wanted to be behind the camera just watching them do their thing. So I, I steered clear of, of the front of the camera. Uh, my wife's in it. My wife is in it though. Oh. Um, and uh, she's a wonderful actor and writer, uh, Hannah Boss. Um, and a lot of people kind of we know from like theater world in New York. And it's a very like family feeling event, you know, like there's a lot of people that I have known and loved and wanted to work with for so long um, and feel so lucky that I got to kind of put something together with all of them. It's amazing. Well, obviously, you've worked with the good actors. You haven't worked with the divas. No, not yet. That's not, a, yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Not a diva yet. I'm, I'm again, lucky. I, I keep saying it. Lucky, lucky, lucky. You know, I don't know. Fingers crossed. Maybe maybe, maybe you need an Angelina Jolie. I don't know. I'll throw her on the It's on my bus. bucket list. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, again, we are on the phone with Kaz Muskowski, who is the producer, director, and screenwriter for The Outside Story, which will be at the Annapolis Film Festival. The Annapolis Film Festival does open up on April 8th, runs through April 18th. 10 full days. Um, their website is annapolisfilmfestival.org. And this film you can actually see starting April 14th at 7 p.m. And you can watch it through the end of the festival, April 18th at 11.45 p.m. And at annapolisfilmfestival.org, you can get tickets and passes and 
I really am thinking that the passes are the way to go on this as opposed to individual tickets just because you can watch any number of films over 10 days. Great bang for your buck as opposed to buying them individually. I'm, I'm sold. Okay, great. Well, give me your credit card. <laughs> okay. we're, we're, operators are standing by. We're ready to do that. Um, Full service. But this this is great. This film looks hysterical. Um, if you're certainly on the fence, go look at the trailer. It's on the AnnapolisFilmFestival.org website. And you're absolutely right. You know, after uh, – you know, pardon the language, but after this shit year that we've had, mm. a good laugh is really something that we can all use, I think. And I think uh, you're delivering it here. Uh, thank you. I, I I totally agree. I'm looking for laughs right now. So, I mean, I, I hope people find that with this film, with the outside story, that would be um, that would make me really happy. So that'd be great. Fantastic. Again, Kaz Naskowski is on the phone with us. The Outside Story, AnnapolisFilmFestival.org. And this one premieres on April 14th at 7 p.m. And just a bit of a note on the film festival and how this works. Different studios and producers and all that kind of stuff have different rules on how their films can be seen. Some are capacity limited, some are time limited, and so on and so forth. So it's not something that you can pick up any day. It's This is specific, April 14th through the 18th, you can watch it. And also, from what I understand with the platform that they're using, once you start it, you can pause it, but you can't stop it and then restart it. So, I mean, I can't like watch the first half, two o'clock in the morning, stop it and pick up the next half later that night. It needs to be paused and then resumed. That's what I'm told. So it's, uh, I know last year the film festival came in just after COVID hit. I mean, they, it, it was like nine days they had to figure out what to do. And um, this time last year, we were all thinking, okay, well, we're just going to hunker down for a couple of weeks and we'll be fine. And, uh, you know, here, here we are a year, you know, a year plus later, and we're still trying to figure out how to get out of this mess. Congratulations on what looks to be a Funny, funny film. I do have that in my queue that I just put in there to make sure that I see this. Looks hysterical. And Brian Tyree Henry looks, he nails it, I think. He's amazing. I mean, he's absolutely amazing. The whole cast is great, but I, the film is Brian Tyree Henry. And he is one of the my favorite, if not my favorite actor um, right now. And just someone I feel so grateful I got to work with. And uh, I, I think you'll all really appreciate uh, his performance. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Very cool. What's what's next on the uh, bucket list for Kaz Naskowski? Well, this film comes out officially on April 30th. Uh, and and then, uh, you know, so so shepherding it into the world is definitely, you know, a priority right now and getting so obviously I'd love to encourage everyone who's listening to go and spread the word if you like the film or um, it, it really means a lot for indie films like this. Um, and then after that, I've been working on a documentary about my father, uh, Thomas Noskowski, who was a painter uh, in New York, an abstract painter. And, and so I've been one of my pandemic projects has been doing an inventory of all his uh, paintings and drawings and everything he did. And then um, trying to kind of make a movie about him because I, I I'd really I'd love to kind of commemorate all the all the work he did. And I also like something like he did, too. I really like, you know, you make a narrative film. Boom. Left turn. And go with go make the documentary, the kind of personal documentary. I think it's important to kind of, you know, do the opposite sometimes. So that's what I was uh, going to ask you, because you said, oh, uh, you know, I'm a narrative kind of a guy. 
<laughs> see, I'm a but I'm a narrative kind of documentarian, so it'll have that. It'll have a it'll have a weird spin on it. It um it won't be just a you know a, I think the term is a hagiography hagiography. Okay. Um, you know, is meant to be kind of hopefully a, a tribute to him and something he would appreciate. Um, and then after that. Uh, other narratives I'm working on, you know, uh, another narrative uh, indie feature and an episodic. Um, so just lots of stuff right now and trying to kind of get the next thing off the ground. Great. Where'd you learn how to do all this? Great question. I went to I did go to a school that that gave me kind of the tools for uh, for filmmaking. But a lot of it is a lot of it is self-taught. A lot of it is actually from my parents, you know, gave me kind of the love for film. I wanted to be a director since I was probably 13. And I think when you have that kind of like burning inside you, you just try to accumulate the tools and the allies to, uh, you know, put it all together. And so that, that's what's so great about getting this first one done is now I feel like I have these beautiful people uh, to work with again. And so that's, that's, it's like they, I mean, I learned so much doing this film. I'm just dying to put it to the test again, direct something else, you know, and, and use all those things that I learned that that's, that's really my goal in the near future. Burning question for me. Last, yeah, last one here. No, please. As, as, as a director, and you can give me the, the straight scoop. Do you actually come in in the middle and go and cut or and action? Or is that just, <laughs> is that, in, is that just in fake TV movies? No, you, you, uh, it depends. Every director does it differently. Uh, to, you know, you're usually working with, uh, an AD. I had a fabulous AD, Laura Klein. Um, and she's usually the one calling a lot of, you call action or you can call, I like to do, you know, whenever you're ready. Um, it's really checking with the actors and kind of giving them what, you know, you know, your crew is ready. They're giving you all the signals and then you're giving, you, you figure out with your actors, are they the kind of actors who want to hear a really loud action and a really loud cut? Or are they the kind of actors that need, that more want a kind of gentle, just, Hey, they don't even know that it, the filming's happening. So it all depends on the scene and the people you're working with. I do like yelling action and it's sure is fun to yell cut. But I will also say that a lot of times the best stuff, you got, you find the best stuff on the margins. So you get to the point where in your head, you should be yelling cut, but you just let everyone hang around for a few more seconds to see what develops. So, you know, that's you no, no different than no different than audio. Some of the rabbit holes that you go down or the stuff that's on the side that you don't, it's like, no, this is this is the good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. This you want to you want to create that opportunity, you know, for the actors, because ultimately they're the ones doing the heavy lifting there. So, well, you know, it's funny. I did a podcast with um, Ray Parker, Jr., who the Ghostbusters guy. Get, and, my my son's favorite song right now. I listen to it maybe 15 times a day. Just but please carry on. Oh, that's funny. That's hysterical. Yeah. But um, it was right after Kobe Bryant had died in the helicopter crash. And um, we were just talking and we just went down this rabbit hole. And here he lives in the neighborhood where the helicopter crashed. He is an instrument rated helicopter pilot. Oh, Jesus. So this is within days of this happening. And here's Ray Parker Jr. telling me exactly what he thinks probably happened and, and how it happened and everything else. And it was just, it was just kind of, you know, it was like, okay, who, who knew this is where this was going to go? We we're just going to talk about you coming here singing Ghostbusters. I mean, it's, you know, right. Um, no, that's, that's the tangent of all tangents. That's amazing. But no, I agree with you. That's, that's where you find the real, I don't know what, it, I don't know what it is that makes that kind of, it's just surprising. It's so special and surprising. And so you want to create that space for that. Well, it is, it's the, it's the reality. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and that's great. I am looking forward to seeing the outside story again, the Napa's film festival. This one will premiere on April 14th at 7 PM. You'll be available. You can get your tickets and passes at annapolisfilmfestival.org. 
And on the phone with us is director, producer, and screenwriter Kaz Naskowski. And again, I want to thank you very much and your son, Rocket, for <laughs> spending some time with us this morning. And I, I hope you go buy him some ice cream or something like that because he was good. I, no, he was he was pretty darn good. He's gonna, there'll be some kind of treat. Some, I mean, TV right now is a treat for him. So, um, no, thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure, uh, such a fun conversation. So, just like I really appreciate it. Thank you. I do too, and I really wish I could see you in a couple of weeks, but uh, that's not going to happen. But if we get a chance to do it again, I will make sure that I reach out and introduce myself. Absolutely. I well, I'm definitely going to make the trip next year and see all the festivals that I missed this year in person. So, I look forward to it. That'd be great. Very cool, Kaz. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Everybody's a dreamer, everybody's a star, everybody's in showbiz, it doesn't matter who you are. There are stars in every city, in every house and on every street, and if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, their names are written in Step on Greta Garbo as you walk down the boulevard. She looks so weak and fragile, that's why she tried to be so hard. But they turned her into a princess and they sat her on a throne. But she turned her back on stardom because she wanted to be alone. All the stars as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Some that you recognize And that you hardly even heard of People who worked and suffered And struggled for fame Some who succeeded And some who suffered in vain Valentino looks very much alike And he looks up ladies' dresses As they sadly pass him by But please don't tread on dearest Marilyn Cause she's not very tough She should have been made of iron or steel But she was only made of flesh and blood See all the stars as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Some that you recognize and that you hardly even heard of People who worked and suffered and struggled for fame Some who succeeded and some who suffered in More than 100 films, from documentaries to features to shorts. Those made in Malta to those made in Maryland. The Annapolis Film Festival has something for everyone. Passes and tickets available now at annapolisfilmfestival.org. never feel any pain And celluloid heroes never 